I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they used to pull a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. You're pinning words all like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest. You guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? 2019. Ooh, we sounded good. Okay. When we putting out the CD? Like a pin. <laughs> it's two women and two men, and it balances. <laughs> it balances. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's balance There's in the synergy world. to that. Yes. Yeah. It balances. Exactly. So y'all know how we do it on The Rant Room. On the show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Little disclaimer, Chris Derrick is out, but he'll be back next week. Ooh, we miss you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell y'all later. Mm-hmm. I, I know, you. I know where he is. Yeah, I know. I don't. Anyway, so we love you, Chris. <laughs> he was talking trash on, on the on the on the text message. He's I like, "Oh, that. she shows up when I'm not there." And I'm like, "Hey, <laughs> I even had a ticket for you to go to the thing, and yeah. you were out of town, you so did, you did. That's you missed true. out. Mm-hmm. That's true." So, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get to the show, y'all. We got my girl back in the house. Y'all can Yay. hear back again. It is the incredible, mm-hmm. look, mm. round edible. Hey. Mm. What's up, girl? We are back. Lisa, Lisa, Cole. Hey, Jam. it's good to be back, everybody. Mm. Life is kind of getting back to its equilibrium, so I'm ready to come back into the world yeah. from self-imposed exile, which I need it. Sometimes as a creative person, you need to take that time, do it family and all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But thank God, like, like last this Friday was the first time in a long time so they've been out with a lot of people so I felt mm-hmm. really energized being back with everybody mm-hmm. so that's always that's awesome that's what's up and then we got my girl in the house L- Linnell White y'all writer, Hello. director, L- producer L- L- Linnell L- oh, we're just skipping the record hey, 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 skipping the record that was the mixing I was about to you know <laughs> put the needle on the record put the needle on the record and the drum beat goes like this let me start to get you now what's up Linnell I'm good well I'm not good okay let me just no 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 I'm not good I'm not good I'm not good say it so so I mean, this has been a hard week for mm-hmm. me. Okay. Uh, I had migraines coming at me really hard, and I I never get headaches. Do you think it's the weather? Migraines. I think it's like I've changed my diet somewhat, okay. and mm-hmm. I think a lot of parts of my body are recovering, and right. so that's put me through a little bit of suffering right, right, right now. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But that's okay. So you you take it out the sugar and all that. Exactly. So I, mean, I, I have I have changed okay. to a more plant based diet. Oh, that's uh, no, no, yeah. that makes sense. And yeah, that's now normal. I'm having like it's so, normal. Just like yeah. headaches and just like mm-hmm. weird stuff happening, but. The scale is moving in the right direction, good, and good. I'm feeling better. Good. Nice, but uh, yeah. you know, but it's been a hard week because then I'm having these migraines, so that means I can't really sit at the computer and focus and write right. and get the You're stuff done. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I can't really do my workouts. You know, because my head's when your mm-hmm. head doesn't function, mm-hmm. it's like I, I'm useless, right. and I don't like feeling useless. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then James Ingram died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. week, and I took that kind of hard because right. that's an era of R and B that is now lost. Right. That era of R and B where it's like I could just flat out <clears throat> sing. I'm just gonna stand on a stage right. in a suit 
right. and captivate and move your just with right. my voice, right. just yeah. my voice. Yeah. No, yeah. Auto-tune, no backup dancers, no, no dancing, yes. no no sp- stage effects to hide the fact that I really can't sing that well. Mm-hmm. You know, just straight up stand there, hit the marks on the stage, and sing. Right. Um, and I feel just, like just sounds like what's that? I just feel. Like, I, also, I also feel Stop like my face. there's a generation. There's a generation who doesn't. Millennial. Well, yeah, there's a generation who doesn't know who James Ingram is. Right. And what's what I what dawned on me, sadly, you know, as I was making food for my plant based diet in the kitchen, was um, I used to know my parents' generation's music mm-hmm. because we'd ride in the car yes. and they would mm-hmm. play their they music. Would, they yeah. didn't play my music. They right. played. And you can play yours. No, you had no, no. Theirs. You had to hear theirs. Right. So it was the Temptations. It was right. Motown. Right. It was the Four Tops. But you had a you had a, but you had a music history because your family was playing right. it. So you had a respect. But now yeah. these kids yeah. now what's going on? They the control the radio. They control the radio. Mm-hmm. Or if they can't control the radio, they put the earbuds in. Right. And I'm gonna just listen to my thing. Right. So it's like right. so now these kids don't know who. Yeah, we didn't have earbuds, bitch. None of that. I was in the back of my mom's '78 Caddy, and it was just eight track cassettes of their music that they grew up to. And I'm glad I got to hear because she was rolling on dubs, you know. So, so like you know the music of Aretha Franklin. So when she passes, you're not sitting like, right. I had some chick roll through my Twitter feed. She was like, "Who is George Michael?" What? See, at least I know that. That's bad parenting. I that's know that. really bad. That's bad parenting. parenting. I agree. And I think mm. that that that's indicative of the type of music that we're getting right now. I think mm-hmm. we were talking about this a couple of months ago. It's like you can tell singers who one didn't come from the church. Mm-hmm. They don't have that experience of listening to your parents' music and having that. Because I remember, like, we did. We listened to Motown. We listened to the mm-hmm. 60s music. We had Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. We had our stuff, Michael Jackson, all that stuff, right. and the hip-hop later. Right. But we always had that music, and so we have a respect for that. And that's why a lot of times when we see, like, these black music shows, right. and they bring our elders on to perform, you see the young people in the audience like, who's this? Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or I see the Twitter feed like, why they got these old people? And I realize, you know Can what? You, you, they you, you have bad parents. That, you have yeah. bad parents. Ooh. I see that all bad the time. No, no, no. That's bad parenting. No. Let me give you an example. You just said something interesting. Yes. So I remember a couple of years ago, I was working on that show with Guy, Guy Nicolucci, mm-hmm. and we were here in the writer's room. We were having it here before we moved to the studio we're at, and um, I said something about, oh, it was like, I was pitching something. I said, like, John and Lennon, and I turned to this photo here of John Lennon, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I said, in the Beatles, when they did such and mm-hmm. such, and... I looked at this kid, this little 22-year-old kid, and he looked at me <laughs> with like, what are you talking about? Wow. And I wow. looked and I said, wow. the Beatles. He goes, you know, I don't think I know any of the songs from the Beatles. <gasps> and then one of the other kids, who we had a bunch of kids in the room besides yeah. us, and he said, you know, I think I know like one song maybe. And mm. I got up, I said, guy, I'll be right back. And I took a walk around the entire yeah. lot to yeah. calm yeah. down. <laughs> oh, really? I was so upset. So I came back and sat down and I drilled their asses. I was like, look, mm. you guys all have homework. Yep. I swear to God. Good for you. Just start with Beatles 1. Good for mm. you. It's all their number one hits. Yes. If you don't like that, you ain't going to like nothing anyway. Mm-hmm. So just start there. So they came back the next day and they're like, wow, that's a, oh my God. That is, I remember that one song I heard it sounds, I've heard that before. I was like, see, bitch, you need to do your well, research. Yeah. And the thing with James Ingram, even if you don't know his name, I should be able to put on a record or a song by him and you know that song. Right. Yes. You should be able to yes. know the song. You should. I probably would. Patty Austin. Everything I had with parents. Quincy Jones yes. was just ridiculous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have so, good parents, so I'm not in that category. I know. My parents are a lot of 80s and I, I think it is the 70s, but I'm one of the people also, I don't know the name of 
artist, right. so I'll know. But I'll know a song. I can sing the song. song. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, like, I want to know. Like, Aretha Franklin, when she died. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do I know any Aretha Franklin? And then I realized I did. So I was like, okay, I feel better. I had one of my staff members at my job, because <laughs> at my job, every Friday, we have a line dance for our students. So basically, we play a bunch of music. And so, you know, some of the staff were like, we're going to update some of our music. I said, sure, give me some stuff as long as it's appropriate for sixth graders. Right. So one of my staff came up their phone. They're like, oh, my God, have you heard this song before? And it's by Heatwave. No. Okay. And I was okay. like, okay. Uh, yes, I've heard wow. that song. Wow. Their stuff is awesome, and I'm like, wow. yeah, yeah, you're so pretty. Well, this, yeah, you're so young. There's no excuse I'm like, to me mm. because Amazon Music and I know Pandora. They all Spotify, have all 70s R&B yes. stations, 80s R&B stations. Turn that on every once in a while and know what came before. I mean, the you're already sampling it in your music anyway. You might as well go back yeah, and they, see what the original right. is. See what it is. See what it yeah. is. Anyway, I, just, I agree. I agree. But mm-hmm. I, so, I'm very concerned because it seems like we're we're lo- because we don't have that riding in the car mm-hmm. situation the way we used to have yeah. that you're not getting exposed to. You. But so it reminded me of the Us trailer. Mm-hmm. So right. what's going on in that trailer is the dad is like, you know, this was a, this was my jam. It's right. exactly this, this was my yeah. jam. That's right. That's and right. I need y'all to hear this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I yeah. got five on. They're yeah. like, hey. <laughs> Which I appreciate. I appreciate that part of the trailer. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's a black right, dad yeah. doing, a, doing look, a good thing. They got bars. Mm-hmm. They ain't mumble rapping bitches. Okay, I understand. They what got you bars are in there. They are rapping. What you're saying. Okay, yeah. look, yeah. don't let me get to you. All right. Well, they you can kind of jump from that for music. The same thing in terms. Let me of, just introduce Josiah okay, Drew, go ahead. young baby writer. <laughs> I'm sorry, young baby writer. Hi, young j- baby writer sitting oh, with. Cr- <laughs> Birdman House. What's happening? Okay, anyway, go ahead, Lisa, Lisa. No, I was just going to say that, and that to piggyback off of that, that's the same thing in terms of film, your film history. Yep. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, Friday night, Linnell and I went to the Hara Noir screening from Shutter TV right. at the Egyptian Theater, <clears throat> and packed, packed, sold packed house, out, Damn, I which I, I was sold out. out. I came to the red carpet because I was the moderator for the, the well, horror yeah, panel afterwards. Like that. Okay. Hey, mm-hmm. you deserve you it. Look, you I got a that. look. Yeah. I got a phone call from uh, a text You should be hosting the red carpet from Tanana Reeve. was just like, "Hey, girl, do you want to come in and do a horror panel thing? Anything with horror and black people?" Right. She didn't have to ask me. All she had to say <laughs> is, "What time? Right. Where?" And then she said, "Oh, by the way, Tony Todd is going to be there." And after she said that, I got a little nervous, but I thought, "Okay, <laughs> it's just going to be Tony, Tanana Reeve. It'll be Ashley Blackwell. Shout out to Ashley." She just left today to go back home. Um, she's one of the executive producers of the documentary with mm-hmm. Tanner Reeve, and she's also the creator of Graveyard Shift Sisters. So mm-hmm. those of you who know the Black Girl Horror stuff on Twitter, that's Ashley Blackwell. But basically, I thought, okay, it's Ashley. It'll be director Xavier Bergen, brand new, young um, director, 28 mm-hmm. years old. This is his first feature film. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's great. That's a nice little milieu, mm-hmm. and we'll get up there. Mm-hmm. And, we'll do- and then, like, every two days, I got another one. Oh, guess what? Keith Davis coming. <laughs> oh, guess what? We got Ken Foray. Right. Oh, guess what? We got William Crane, the director of Black. Oh, guess what? We got, you know, and it's just, oh, we got Rachel True. So it's like nine, like nine some odd people up there. It was a, big, there. Panel. It was a yeah, big panel. It was a big panel. Huge panel. And part of the, and so at that, at after that, I was like, got a little nervous. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens when you have that support. You always got to have your support people because Tanana Reeve texted me and said, hey, do you want to talk on Wednesday? Hmm. And I said, sure, because we had like a week. And then like Wednesday, this past Wednesday, we had a little conversation. I said, look, she goes, she goes, I'm a little nervous. I said, well, I'm a little nervous too because it's such a big, huge right. panel. 
And she was like, I don't know how you're going to do it. And I said, well, we'll just have to, I'll figure out something. And so we just had a little pep talk. It ain't talk. your first rodeo, but No, no, still. it's not. It's, it was, it's, it's a not, huge, it was a, it was. But right. this is where it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you're moderating a panel and it's about a topic you love. Specific, sure. It's, it's a, a totally different one when you're a fangirl, right. when those are your heroes. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like whoever right. person right. is your hero right. that, and it's not just one of the hero, mm-hmm. it's like. Four Everyone. of them, yeah. Right. Yeah. you know, all yeah. at the same time who I, literally they have impacted your life. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I couldn't even sit down when I did the moderation. Like <laughs> they had to the whole time. I, I couldn't. Because I, I had left and gone. To, we'll, we'll get to the documentary. Yeah, also. Right. So, they, so they aired the documentary, which is 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then like my bladder. What's I'm the like, documentary about? It's about black people in horror, the history of yeah. black people. It goes all the way back to like Birth of a Nation. Right. Awesome. That is like a horror right. film. Okay. Right. Awesome. So they really went to, into the archives with the film. Mm-hmm. Um, someone did a lot of research, and I'm suspecting the Ashley from Graveyard Sisters really was the was and the, the brains. The, the, the documentary this. is based on the book by Robin Means Coleman, who's a, an academic, and she wrote the book called Horror Noir: The History mm-hmm. of Black People, and that is the basis of the documentary. Mm-hmm. So very heavily, the, thoroughly and, researched. So had great clips from the cinema throughout mm-hmm. the decades, but then they also had interviews with your Keith David, with mm-hmm. Tony Todd, yeah, Jordan with Pill Rachel True, right. who I thought was fantastic in the mm-hmm. doctor in mm-hmm. the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really well done, mm-hmm. high production. It looks like they shot it at the Downtown Independent in that space. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, just a really well done film to find out that that was that kid's first. Feature His film. First feature film. I was like, well, this is this is good craft. Right. You're on you're on solid ground here. Right. Shout out to Xavier. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you picky. So and what did you say? I'm, I'm what did you say? You went, you got up, went to the bathroom and then what now? You went, you left, you I, came I, back. So I, I came back and cause I was and I came back and the, everyone's up because I knew it was gonna take a while to wrangle nine, ten people for to sit up there on the on the stage. So I, I came back and you were doing the intros and I'm seeing Lisa standing. I'm like, why she standing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Nervous because once, yeah, because after we saw the documentary, I got go finish. I thought it was because in order for you to see down this huge line of chairs, I was like, oh, she's trying to stand so she could see. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought, and I didn't think part of it. Part of nerves. it too. T- part of it too, because literally once I got them the because I'd seen the documentary already. They sent mm-hmm. me the link, so I saw it like the week before because mm-hmm. I wanted to like jot down some things and have some ideas and see you know what it was. So you were taking notes as we were watching it that night. Oh yeah, I had I my journal you. with me, so I was like writing things down, things that. I had saw the second time like oh maybe I should think about that and my first thought was like <laughs> throw your question I had like 10 questions I said just throw your questions away just jump in mm-hmm. there that's exactly what I do mm-hmm. it's like I had them I out just, just let in my case. instincts go no I write them mm-hmm. down ahead of time just mm-hmm. in case because you never know how your yeah. panel's going to be some right. of them are like one answer Nancy is like yes <laughs> no <laughs> And it's like pulling tea. So I said, right. let me have a set of 10, but let me just go how I'm feeling when I see the doc and get up there. But when the documentary is done, of course, I'm sitting there with Linnell and Jeff Thorne. They were like my guests that came. Yeah. And I would have had you guys shout come. Out, shout out to Jeff. Yeah, but it was like, Jeff. we're sitting there. And I got so comfortable mm-hmm. that when the things came up, I was like, wow, that was so good. And I was like feeling the vibe because they had us in the little special mm-hmm. section with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then Linnell's like, hey, and she's supposed to be getting up doing the. I was trying to get comfortable. Listen, talking about, hey, this is something. And the credits are rolling. And Lisa's sitting there. I'm like, you need to get your ass up. Get down there, moderate the panel. Like I'm like, I what got, are you doing? Right I got here? so comfortable. Go. But it was so weird because I looked at Tanana Reeve and she's getting up, and I thought they would like do our intros and then have us come up. But it was like the lights came up. Mm-hmm. They had all these nine chairs and mm-hmm. mics set up, and me and Tanana Reeve like, are they going to introduce us or do we introduce? So we're just kind of walking up there, and I'm like, hey. So it was like that weird, like, oh Jesus, here right. we go. Regardless, though, your ass needed to be up. There. Yes, I did. No need matter to be up who's there. doing the yes. intros or what the, yes. what the logistics. <laughs> yes, is, your ass needed to be up. So there. when I got up there, it's like once everybody sat, and then I looked. 
at them, like literally my legs were shaking. Like I was going to sit. It's like, no, because if I sit there, it's going to be obvious my legs are shaking. (laughs) So what I had to do was, all right, I need you to stop. And literally what I did within the 10 seconds I got up there, Mm -hmm. it's like, just pretend like this is the family reunion. And these are your uncles and your auntie, your cousin, like Rachel True, you know, we're close to that Rachel True is like your cousin, you know, Keith David, Ken Forey, Tony Todd, those are your uncles. You Mm -hmm. ain't seen them in a long time. You're happy to see them. Relax into that, but you need to stand up so that keep your energy up and you need to look at them. Yeah. And so basically that's why I stood the whole time. That way I could like get that nervous energy. You can't see my leg shaking. Mm-hmm. And then I can look at them. And once they started talking, we got it. it was, I didn't have to do anything else. Because eventually you sat because the picture I saw you were sitting. No, you're, sh- you're I'm standing? Not standing. She's the standing. whole time. Yeah, oh, she's I standing thought, behind. It looks like you're sitting in a chair, and everybody. I have my hand on a chair, maybe. Yeah, and I'm standing oh, next to it. Okay. They probably have to waist up with my right, chair. Right, that's what right, it is. Right. But it's like, and a couple times I leaned. I was like, okay. And then once she hears her voice, I'm like, oh God, Lisa, hold, get it together. There are hundreds <laughs> of people in here. You can't pass out and throw up. And literally, after we eased into it, it's like, okay. And then once they started talking, because that's like I said, that's your fear as a moderator is they won't talk, right. or they'll be like, what's next? And once they, mm-hmm. I didn't have to do anything else. Just go no. through, lob a couple of things. What do you guys think? And then. They didn't even give me the time, so that's when I had to stop in the middle. I'm like, so if anybody from Shutter TV wants to give me warning wh- how much my time is. Yeah, control it. Because once I looked at the audience, and part of it is you have to involve the audience. That's why I asked how many artists, filmmakers. Here's the other thing. Let me just say about the crowd. No, I have been to enough of these screenings or whatever mm-hmm. where the Q&A rolls up and people are like, okay, my evening's over. I'm right. out. Everybody stayed for the Q and A. Everybody, it's not me because I run a bathroom. Mm-hmm. But you know, other than that, like everybody stayed in their seats, glued, like ready for the Q and A. Right. The other thing was like you had a personal connection or story for everyone on that panel. Okay. Like you, she had a little like thing with Tony Todd. Like you, someone back in the day, you Versailles. Him, we were at the right, Cuban right. restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Had seen him and you freaked and you didn't have the courage to talk to him. Whatever. So that I think that put all of them kind of you mm-hmm. know okay she's she she's not just some random person they found to ask questions. Right. She understands our business and right. what we do. Right, right. And it's significant. And each one of them has a story. And like literally, I had met Tony Todd. Now, I didn't count it as meeting because standing next to somebody is not really meeting them. <laughs> and then my other personal connection was Keith David because I sold him some books at the Black Bookstore in San Diego. He and was you doing told a play. Story. And I just basically said, yeah. And I asked you about the thing. And basically, he told me that story. Like, it's whoever you want to win, who at the end. I said, but, it was you. But, but then Lisa decides to turn to the crowd and say, Candyman. Candyman, <laughs> Candyman, Candy and and the, and the the tension ratchets up to a level where people are like, "Girl, stop! Girl, don't do it!" All don't you heard is, it. "No, no!" And people are like, "No, I'm thinking, oh, they're joking." But it was, like I said, it wasn't until I watched somebody through a clip, I guess somebody videotaped yeah. it and through a clip that I could see from the audience perspective oh, right. and I could hear the nose that I realized some people were they're really freaking, freaking scared because when I'm on stage, out. I'm just joking. I think they're just saying, "Oh no," to be funny, and I'm just saying because I'm not going to say it five times. <laughs> but it was like, hey. Because the question was, I had brought up the Jordan Peele remake of mm-hmm. Candyman, and I knew I had read some things about Tony Todd having some mixed feelings about it, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where you, I really didn't get a chance to go up to him is and he, say, "Is he involved in it?" He, he, here's the thing: he, I think he would like to be involved with it in any capacity, and I think on their part, it would be smart because yeah, he's such an iconic figure, mm-hmm. and that's part of what I want to ask the audience because it was like, you know, how many of you guys heard about the doing the remake, and how many of you found it acceptable? Because my first thought was, no, right. but because it's going to be a black woman directing it, and um, Jordan Peele's production company is producing it, I'd be curious to see what black people's voice about this whole, because, you know, Candyman is problematic. It's got some issues with it, yeah. mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. I love problematic things. And, th- and that's also addressed in the documentary as well. Yes. The documentary was, was, was very 
I want to say uh, even handed and fair in terms of looking at like, yeah, this is good. We got a black male lead is like in a horror movie. The first urban legend. There's some problems with him and his sort of lust after this white woman. And And killing all the black people when the white people who did you wrong are in the building right across the tracks. Like, did you lose your map or do you need some assistance (laughs) getting across the tracks? So I was saying white people wrote this, right? Candyman? Yes. Yes. It's based on a Clive Barker short story called The Forbidden. And in The Forbidden, basically, it was like a class. It was like a white woman and her baby. It's like a class apartment. So it had all the tropes of an urban legend that takes place in England. Mm-hmm. But when they brought it to America, they, they, they blackified it by making it about gentrification, making it about black trauma and black pain. And then, of course, they brought in some of the tropes that have always been problematic. The big black monster, mm-hmm. the lusting after the white right. woman, the sacrificing your own black people and killing them, but not right. after going after but the source going, of yeah. your, that's yeah. causing it. But one of the things that me and Tanana Revit talked about, because she says, like, you know, I think our fear was... And that's why when I opened up the thing, I want to say we we're going to create a reverential space because I knew there's some problematic things with some of the things in Blackula, mm-hmm. the things yeah. that are in Candyman, we watch the after, things that are in Dawn of the Dead. We watch, yes, we watch, we watch afterwards. After the, after the Q&A. Woo! And the homophobia in that is, mm-hmm. is unreal. I don't remember. And, and the colorism. Uh, yes, there's some the colorism, colorism in there. And the homophobia. But and I, the chicks who really don't yes. do much but just sort yes. of like... Okay. The sexism. I'm gonna run away with you, black. What, what's the, the homophobia? <laughs> right I don't remember. They say oh. faggot like what six, oh. seven times. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, those, because it starts with well. Then, and apologies to anyone who were offended by the use yeah. of the word fat. I'm just letting y'all know we know we're unfiltered. I'm just telling you how it is. Yeah. It, it, That's it what was, it was. It was. It was. It kind of. I mean, me Jeff and all of us. Every time it, that word came up in the movie, yeah, we, we were just we like, were just, "Oh, damn, just damn!" And but, I did see a couple of people walk out. Right. I, I was like, "Oh, and, and oh, fair damn. enough. Right. If you right. don't want to deal with it, you don't need to right. deal with it. Right. Yeah. So, Blackula to me, because I'd never seen it before, mm-hmm. just before my time. All right. Uh, it goes right in right away. The movie starts. We're in Transylvania, mm-hmm. uh, Dracula's castle. And then the gentleman, I can't remember his real name. Before, William Marshall. Black, black, no, no, but the character's Mama name. Wade. Yeah, right. Mama Wade. And so he comes My in with his, Mama Wade. with his wife. <laughs> right. she's, got her, she's got her um, <clears throat> tribal mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, apparel on, accessories. And they sit at the table. And the white guy basically, uh, Dracula basically is like, you know, attacks them and shoves. Um, Mama Wade. In a, in a coffin, right? They mm-hmm. don't, but this is in the first Seven minutes of the film. Yeah. Like and names it. You are Blackula, so I'm Tobifying yeah. you. I'm turning you <laughs> into Toby. After Dracula tries to <laughs> also just like leer at his woman, like right in front of him, like, yes, and I'd like to dabble in some of this mm-hmm. here. Like, wow. whoa, whoa, right. whoa, back mm. off. That's my chick. Right. Yeah. So it goes right in right away. And then the people who find the coffin are these two gay men and and who oh actually they come and buy the pro- right. estate mm-hmm. they come come and buy Dracula's estate after he's they're like gone. antique collectors and they buy right. yeah so they buy the coffin and they are the, they are the first ones referred to by the f word right you know wow. and it's just really it's unfortunate um I, I I'm not going to even attempt to justify it right. It just, it just, but it, it kind of like I wasn't ready for it. And the humor that they were using <laughs> against those two two gay characters was because they were very femme. Mm-hmm. And it's in the seventy. And I remember as a child, you know, when that seventy two, I was four, and I remember that. But that's the language that people it said. Came out in seventy two. Came yeah. out in yes, seventy two. I was four when oh. it came out, and it was like. Damn. 
you heard that, and I remember people said that a long time ago, and it's like, you hear it like, oh, that's not nice. When I was a kid, like, that's mm-hmm. not nice, that's not cool. But to hear it so many years later as an adult, and it's so jarring. Well, and you hear from a variety of sources. You yes, hear from the, the cops. Police, the, the cops are throwing it around, mm-hmm. kind of like, well, who cares about a couple right, of, you right. know, like, uh, antique, right. whatever, right. you know, right. words. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, then I, I don't know if the women were using it too. It, it was just problematic. Mm-hmm. It was really problematic. Right. And so going in, knowing that, that's why I had to like set a tone. Like, here's the context. And I had to use that quote that I read from women. Can, can I ask boss. you a quick question? Yes. Is it still, does it still stand as far as being scary? Though? As far as To me, me I, my images of Blackula it's camp. freak listen, me Listen, out. listen. Really? It's 70s. Now, <laughs> I was like three. Okay. In the 70s, for it to be low budget and for what it was, and right. I remember as a child, there was some frightening imagery. But now yeah. when you look back on it, you know, it looks camp. It okay. looks, but I have to look at it in the context I, I of the 70s. I think do it. I yeah. think so too. That was the question Updated. I wanted to ask Redo, him. Like you know, update. What? Yeah. Oh, we had more time and they didn't have twenty thousand people up there on the. And the panel. director was there. He was yeah. there. William Crane. Yes. yes. He directed that and he was twenty three years old. Wow. Yeah. So imagine wow. nineteen seventy two, twenty three, mm-hmm. and you're directing that. And of course, you know, he tried to do some changes and with William Marshall, you know, pushing back on some of the imagery of because it was supposed. To, it's called and the original title was what Anthony Brown's in town. Or Tony really? Anthony Brown's in town, and so we can't call it that. Yeah. We got to call it something else, and we're called a Blackula, you know. So the problematic <laughs> stuff, a lot of it, I attribute to being, you know, a young director. Mm-hmm. The seventies, the script, the script it, it needs some yeah, work. Yeah, it needs some work. And I was, I wanted to ask him that, like, I was going to ask him, you know, hey, so you're being offered to remake it. What are some things you would change, mm-hmm. you know? Or and I was going to ask that question to Xavier too, like, hey, if you were offered to remake it, what are some things you would add? What are some things you would keep? But of mm-hmm. course, when you got ninety thousand people up yeah. there, you can't. You do what but, you could. So so, you know, you do the best and you just try to frame questions that can kind of participate. And I do, in all of my panels that I tend to moderate, I do something like I really like to know, which is basically let the panel talk to each mm-hmm. other, where I just said, if there's anything you're dying to ask anybody else on that the was, panel. That was a good... And basically, Rachel True and all them yes. were like, so, David Keith, right. and the thing, and blah, blah, blah. And David Keith probably up. hurt everybody's feelings who's had this theory on who, McCready <laughs> or Child. And he went through and was talking about the... The smoke from his breath and the snow, and people are saying that that's because you're not the human one, and what's his name is McCready's breath. So he basically said, and I, I I'm assuming he said he, he's the one. He was not the thing, and that he survived at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, and I it, believe mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. He, of course, he, of course, yeah. he, he was the one. The brother yeah. lived, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know. And it was just them talking, and of course, Ken Foray talking about writing and mm-hmm. you know things and tw- just getting the story out. There was a point in the panel where they distinctly were like. The script, the script, the script. Mm-hmm. If you don't have mm-hmm. a solid script, right. you ain't, you're going to build your house on a shoddy foundation. Right. Like, don't do it. Don't do, don't it. do it. It always comes so to that. So I appreciate that. that. Right. And that, that the question I had asked him with that, because all three of them, they always work with indie people. Like, they, they get commercial fare, but they're one of those few that, well, it doesn't even matter how low budget it is. If they believe in a product, they will come and act in it. And if you look at their, their whole resume, there's a lot of indie and young directors, newbies that they are willing to work with. Some actors won't do that. Mm-hmm. Because money, they want money, but they're about giving back and they remember what it was like and they're really about mentoring new people. And so that's why I wanted to get an opportunity for the filmmakers out there. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what are some advice? And people, if you're listening to this, these are actors that have like 30 or 40 years of, of acting and directing and producing and they're basically telling you it's the story, it's mm-hmm. the script. That's got to be the first thing that's got to be popping. <clears throat> yeah. So it was good to yep. hear from them, you yep. know. Awesome. And your sound has got to be good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, if you're gonna shoot it on an iPhone, make sure the sound is is tight. So it was it was a really thrilling night to be there and to mm-hmm. see your elders and to give them their their due because one of the pe- the two people I mentioned that were always in horror movies that I loved who were no longer here are Bernie Casey and Rosalind Cash. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's like, it's good for them to still be here and let black people in particular let them know that, hey, you're still love, you're the foundation, Mm -hmm. but now we're going to have to lift this thing forward. So among you guys, one of the questions I had wanted to ask them that didn't get a chance to, but I'm asked it you guys, because Get Out, and I know everybody has mixed feelings and all kinds of things about Get Out, and I was really surprised that Jordan Peele said that in the documentary. He said, basically, you know, I made it for everybody to see it, but in particular, black people, and if black people wasn't down for it, for him, it would be considered a failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. He said that wow. in the documentary. He says, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in his mind, like, it didn't even matter if it became a huge success. Right. If right. black people... Because he had $4 million to make this thing. Yeah. He and wasn't really thinking, like, oh, and, let me have a... And you know what that reminded me of? Up. That reminded me of, like, Toni Morrison. Because mm. Toni Morrison, like, look, I write for black people. I'm writing black stuff. Hey, it's great if white people want to read my stuff, right. but I am in the venue of... Writing for my people. Well, and I also feel like Ryan Coogler did the same thing with Black Panther. Oh, he yeah. was like, I, yeah. I, I'm making this for black a, a black audience. If right. other people come, great. But I, this is this is for the this, people. This is the audience yeah. I'm seeking. Whereas you could look at something like Green Book, where clearly they were making this for a white audience. It's like clearly. the help, basically. Clearly, it's uh, it's what is it? What do we call it? It's uh, it's like the cheap book. What do you call those books we used to get in college? Like the the where you didn't feel like reading the book. Cliff, oh, notes. Cliff, notes. Cliff notes. So it's like Cliff Notes for white people mm-hmm. for civil rights history. High school. Even. Was really high, school yeah. high school Cliff Notes. It really is. Like The Help and all of those movies, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I, I see Green Book in that same vein. Yeah. I, where I it's, totally see where you're it's going. Used, and totally, it's yeah. funny because you have the script of Green Book right here on your mm-hmm. desk right here that I saw. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of flipped through it and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, the, the character I would have been going to go see who I thought was going to be the main Don character. Shirley. You pitched don't, don't, amazing don't, story. Doesn't show up until right. like 15, 20 minutes yeah. into the script. And I'm like, oh. It's not his story. And it's not his story. It's not, it's not about him. And you call it Green Book, which is about black people. It's right. not about Green Book. So, right. well, let me let me go one step right. further because right. I had a run in with an exec from Participant Media who was distributing Green Book okay. this week, which yeah. added to my migraine. <laughs> <laughs> it added to your pain. So I was at an event and there was an exec, and in fairness, she works in sales. Okay, right. she's not so she's not working on the development creative side. Mm-hmm. But when asked about the controversy about Green Book. Mm-hmm. She referred to it as distractions. These distractions. Yeah, thank you. You're pulling away from the microphone. And that was my reaction to like, oh, no, you didn't. So distractions during award season. And wow. we, we're just trying to focus on. And, and then um, a slide came up, a box office mojo and how that movie is picking up steam. It, it came out 11 weeks ago. And, and, still, and it, had now no, it had no audience. Huh. But uh, since these controversies have been jumping off, now it's... it's Once again, black people, black people helping you make I money. I was wondering if, if it was even since Mahashala won. It is now. that helps. Well, that, that helps too. Right. But then also, you know, the controversies, him winning. Right. And now it's like the fourth or fifth movie at the box office. So it has is like risen, which is right. unheard of normally, like at week 11. Yeah, you're at the dollar no. theater yeah. if, if, if you're mm-hmm. lucky. Well, distractions and I was like well that's a problem because participant media to me always comes off portraying themselves as an impact based um, company like mm. we're trying to make films that are like RGB right. so that make an impact change hearts and minds whatever but you're really only trying to impact white audiences with this green book movie because if you're telling me these are distractions then you don't care about what the black audience is saying to you about the title mm-hmm. Which about, is our history. About how you didn't consult with the Shirley family and about how Don Shirley 
probably should have been your movie. He's the more interesting person, but you want to have someone take someone who's a hardcore racist and have this little this little arc of him. Well, right. he, he's not so bad anymore, and let's sit around the table with but his hands. It's, it's still going to the whole paradigm. He invites him in, but yes. it's still, but it's still yes. the whole paradigm that Hollywood has, which is is obsolete right. is that we got to have a white lead to tell everybody's story that if, if white people aren't the lead no one's going to come see it who mm. for god forbid someone would come see a dr shirley movie with a black character like first in line listen first that's that's what i thought the movie right. listen listen they doing these fire trailers for all these movies because mm-hmm. that's what i thought oh, i watched both of them listen oh, i the fired the fire listen, documentaries listen I saw both. I saw that you know, Mahershala. I'm like, oh my god, we get Mahershala. Oh, and we get Vigo as a little right. sidekick, right. like the story of the driver. Yeah. We're gonna get fabulous suits. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get I'm gonna an erudite music. We're I want to see music. Yeah. We're gonna a see man perform classical yes. music. The trailer focused on Mahershala. Yes, yeah. it was a trick. I it was about. We got bamboozled. Yeah, we everybody. Did. We got hoodwinked. <laughs> but I tell you, who didn't get bamboozled. I tell you, who didn't get bamboozled? Plym- Plymouth Rock. <laughs> who didn't get bamboozled? Or the White suburbanites in Iowa or right. um, Ohio or Nebraska mm-hmm. who are like, oh, this seems like a nice little movie. Let's, <laughs> sure, let's go out and see what this is. Green Book. Let's see Tony Lip I don't, I don't story. Know. I don't know. The Tony Lip story is what it really well, is. I love Vigo Mortensen. I think he's just so handsome. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You and these voices crack me up. <laughs> the realness. But yeah, it, it, it it's... It's irritating, but here's what I have to be very careful with, because I think Mahershala, and it's the same with Viola Davis, because I know if you saw the article where Viola said she regrets doing the help, or she regrets mm-hmm. how the help was right. formed, yeah, and if you saw when they won, Green Book won the, was it the Golden Globes, and when Mahershala was on stage, like his demeanor, yeah. like his body language was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we won, and got re-, but it's like, he knew because he had already apologized to the Shirley family because he didn't know the, right. the stuff that grows around it. Yeah. He wasn't up there in honor. Like, no, this is a good yeah. thing. And it's yeah. like, we yeah. can, we can. And you know who else was looking a little bit like hiding in the background? Octavia Spencer. Yes. They brought on, she was one I of the producers. I found out they brought on later to sort of be like, uh, you know, a black person in the right. producer. They needed realm. a producer. They needed somebody. Yeah. To they needed a face so they can <clears throat> put her as the target right. and throw her up front and take all the, the shrapnel that was yeah. flying their way. Yeah, exactly. Which is basically you do this, Octavia? Yes. And we ha- ain't looking yeah. at her. Right. I'm, I'm not, not looking at I'm her. I'm not looking at her. I know how no. that game is I'm not played. working I'm not looking at Mahersala because mm-hmm. he's going to perform and do his work and his craft. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he even went out his way and realized, oh, once he realized what the whole rigmarole was, went to the family, made his amends with the family right. and stuff like that. So the the issue is not with them. It's with the producer behind it. And I don't know if you guys saw it when they had the director's panel mm-hmm. and they had is it Peter Farrelly who was mm-hmm. the and Spike uh, Lee was on Hollywood stage Hollywood Reporter Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter was that what it was and he was talking about Peter Farrelly was talking about how he had to stop for 45 minutes and explain to the black actors in the scene why uh, uh, Viggo Merkins' character was doing something and if you could see the expression on Spike Lee's face like the whole time Peter Farrelly's talking Spike Lee's just sitting there looking straight ahead like this some bullshit well, I'll do you one you better. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'll <clears throat> do you one better. The Hollywood Reporter always does their yearly roundtables, and they do one with directors. They do one with actors. They did yeah. one with Viggo Mortensen, Chadwick Boseman, Mahershala Ali, and if you could see the side eye that Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick is, is the king of side Viggo eye. Viggo Mortensen, <laughs> it'll Chadwick. chill your soul. Chadwick it was is just yeah. like. Uh, keep going. 
you on some shit right now, right. ego. Right. Right. Wait, you have secret text we can't see. <laughs> that was last night at the DGI. <laughs> Just pass that to pass so, that to So here's the thing. We're gonna have to get past hold on. <laughs> oh that was last night. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Because the expression, and I think what happens now is in the old days, black people would just sit there <laughs> and, take and take it. Black people ain't taking it no more. We're done. And so that brings me to the, the, oh to the thing that I Here wanted to ask all of you, which okay. is basically, and it brings me up to mm-hmm. the yeah. show that you watched last night, yeah, the yeah. other night. Oh, I didn't watch the entire episode. Which is Sam Prabuha, Always a Witch on Netflix. <laughs> I didn't get it. I only made it through half. That we continue doing, and it's the thing that got... Ama Asante dragged on the timeline. Right. What? Oh, the, with, oh for, for when the hands touch. She did. Okay. The, and basically, is we are tired of seeing oppressors being humanized over the people they are oppressing. When the stories that should be told and that we want to see mm-hmm. are from the marginalized and oppressed. Right. But what seems to be happening? Uh, Hollywood thinks, oh, this is a great thing. We can talk about how we're all humans and how we can all just get along, but we're going to elevate these racist characters at the expense of the Mm -hmm. actors, and you're putting our actors who want to work. I ain't got no mad somebody trying to make that check. Right. But what are you doing in this climate right now? Like, what? That's not your audience. Right now, the people who are bringing your money are black and brown people, people who are not white. Mm Who are going to see these movies? Who we'll we'll give you free publicity and yep. make things happen before your shit even comes right. out? So for right. you to ignore that is and, ridiculous. And to label it as a distraction. To give you an example, I found offensive. Yes, and oh wow. god, that burns me up. <clears throat> I can do some curse words. So here's here's how I got bamboozled, y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm. So last year we all got excited. You know, and anything with black women mm-hmm. and black girl magic that has us as a center story and a supernatural story. Yeah. So we got word that in Colombia. Beautiful mm. Columbia. Mm. That there was going to be a story about a beautiful black woman who's a witch who was burned as a witch, and she's coming to the future, and she's going to use her supernatural powers to go back to the past, and she's going to go rescue her love. Yes. And I thought, and this is what I thought: see, some beautiful, gorgeous black man, and they were in love. It's like a Toni Morrison love. It's like the Thirty Mile yeah. Woman and Sixo, and they mm. were together, and they are torn away together. And she's going to come back and rescue her love and her family and use her powers for good. And come to find out in the series, the her love is the slave master who mm-hmm. bought her, <laughs> and she's only going back in time and using her supernatural powers mm-hmm. to rescue him, him. just mm-hmm. him, the white man. And I'm like, but your family, your cousins, I mean, mm-hmm. you can rescue him and everybody else, but mm-hmm. your focus is that. Your so friends. a lot of us felt a, a certain kind of way mm. when we saw it. And Purse is, is badly dubbed. It's like, it's you called what a, again? It's called Siempre Bruja but or Always, Always a, a Witch. Witch. Yeah. yeah. It's really, if you yeah. go to Netflix, it should be on the main header. Mm. Gorgeous actress who's playing in it. Oh, oh yeah. But this yes. is my fault. It's and a waste. I, I take it's a waste. Like, I take responsibility. It's my fault because usually when I see some stuff, I usually do my research first to see who's created it. Mm-hmm. What are their, you know, because I'm always curious. Oh, right. what are your password? Maybe there's something that, you know, this is coming out. Maybe I want to check out that something you already have out. Mm-hmm. Just kind of prep myself and come to find out that it's two white women who created this and they've had a problematic history of telling these type of stories. Yeah. Really? So when we saw that, it was like, oops. And of course, some of the black people who are in the know, they're like, that's your fault because you know, and I took responsibility. I said, yes, right. <laughs> you right. <laughs> but I got, because we're so desperate to see ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I saw you tweeting about it. Like, I, I I remember because the, I remember because it was like one. Mm-hmm. Not only was it a black woman, but it was like black Latino representation. Here's mm-hmm. another we aspect. Never see Afro Latino representation. Any from South America, Ever. any of that. Mm-hmm. So any Afro Latino representation, I was excited for. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. it's supernatural. 
cultural. Come on. Why yeah, not? Yeah, she's a witch. I, I, she's and she's a witch. And here's the thing. Like, and she's coming to the present. Like, what kind of stories can you tell when you've been a slave and you wake up in 2019 right. and yeah. black people's yeah, walking because around? We, we've, because, uh, and yeah. it also plays with the Octavia Butler who did yes. sort of the... Sort of the Kendrick. Sort of, Yes, Kendrick. sort of the reverse of that. Like I'm, I'm a modern woman, and I've been thrown back in slave times, and now I've just, to rescue, I thought, to I rescue just, my slave master ancestor, and that's different thought, than your boyfriend. I thought this was going to be the, uh, you know, the opposite of of Kindred right. by Octavia Butler. Right. What I got was, first of all. Give it to me in Spanish. Dame lo en español. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted. Dame I want to hear the. I want to hear the Spanish. I didn't want it dubbed, dubbed. In, with these bad English act actors. I didn't need that. I, I wanted the Spanish version only. Give me that's, the English subtitles. Right. Because, I did that. Oh, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I could, I, there's an option. You I couldn't. Could, I couldn't get it to work last night. Okay. okay. And, by, I'll and show I texted you. you. I was like, "How do I get it to work?" Uh, I was I like, my first, my first thought because it was by the time I saw that it was like the next day because I was I was drinking wine and live tweeting Saturday night sci- <laughs> Saturday night Saturday night sci fi. We were watching Ant Man and the Wasp. So by the time I saw that it was the next day, it's like, oh, I totally, oh, I missed this text from you, and that's when I said, oh, I don't know. I just thought maybe they just did the dub version and didn't give you the language option. I'll show you how to do I, it. I just couldn't. No, you're going to like settings and, and, and so, language. And, yeah, and, yeah, so because I want, I want, I want it in Spanish. And shout out to An- Anwar who had emailed the show a few weeks Definitely. ago and hooked me up with some Spanish. Um, yeah, he did some cool tutorials stuff. and right, stuff, and right. got me hooked on this. Tell it's not a telenovela. It's an educational telenovela. Right, tel- right. Telenovela in Spanish, <clears> and I'm already like trying to binge this thing. Because right. Don Fernando was in his hacienda and uh, he's about to die and I nice. think his kids are going to try to take his money <laughs> oh, and nice. I, and I, but I'm learning Spanish as going along and I'm like y'all better stay Listen, off get, leave Don Fernando good, alone like I'm getting so hot a good it. telenovela will get you hooked but, I, but again they've done it in a way where yeah. I can learn Spanish right so great mm, right so anyway back to Siempre Bruja um, so I, I, I this, the writing is so poor mm. uh, it, it seems to me great. like it was thrown together Mm, in two weeks, mm. there was no development of this series whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, there was a there's a huge plot hole in terms of. Um, so she's burned. You know, uh, uh, spoiler alert! Okay, if y'all want, I made through thirty minutes. I made through halfway through this thing. <laughs> I turned it off. I, could, I, could, I literally could not take it. I was like, okay, enough. I'm gonna go watch the fire doc on Hulu and be done with this. There you go. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, I, there's a point where she's she's burned at the stake. She appears in 2019. And she's, you know, taken to the hospital because she passes out. And then <laughs> the doctors are trying to ask her questions and she's giving them weird answers. And, but, and the police come because apparently at the same time, there's a series of murders that have happened that involve people getting burned up. And so mm-hmm. could she have been one of those people because she had right. burns on her. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, the police never see her. She does some cool witchcraft, shuts the hospital down, lights down. Before the backup generator can come on, because we all know a hospital mm-hmm. would have automatically right. had that, but whatever. Right. And she sneaks <laughs> out of there. So mm-hmm. the cops never see her. The next scene I see of her in the future, she's along the seaboard, and there's a cop car of the two same guys that we saw in the hospital. Yeah. And they're like, there she is. I was like, well, they don't know what she no. looks like. They didn't see uh, her. Yeah, they in probably the saw they, her So from we're far. making leaps. Right, right, right. And also, um, I was bothered by the slave master... Um, that she's so in love with. I didn't. I again. I couldn't really get into it because it just sort of happens. Yeah. Like you he buys her, and then they're in love. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How mm-hmm. does that happen? Mm-hmm. Could you at least give me a little yeah. montage of them giving each other yeah, little looks the across, right. little yeah. looks across the plantation, right, 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 right. <laughs> she is a slave, so right. he has, she has to earn the trust of her. Yes, you know what I mean. There was no understanding mm-hmm. of that I because think- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say that there was never any 
genuine love between master and, master and, mm-hmm. and, and slave. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could have been something that happened, but mm-hmm. you got to get, you got to get, you got to develop you that. You got to get me there. Yeah. I right. think it just went on the fact that she is a slave and the fact that he even like treats her well or gives her attention was like all that they needed. It was like, not enough. Yeah. yeah. It's it too fast. Like, oh, he's nice to her. Thing you saw he was, loves you know, her. She's enough. bought and she's like cleaning the place up and then she's getting secret messages from him like meet me down by the river <laughs> by our usual by spot the in, the, in the Hardeen and there will be a fire and so she's down there and, or he's down there. First of all, he's not attractive. What? They did and not that's even, disappointing. Yeah, because I will buy. Look, because you know I will watch problematic stuff. Mm. But if you find (laughs) sometimes, listen, listen. If we gonna be, if we gonna be real about it, justify her big leap (laughs) and like, oh yeah, let's do it because it's so gorgeous. I can get there. If we gonna be real about it, (laughs) he's a little um, uh, Adam Driver looking kind of dark. Does he even have a sexy voice? There's some things the I want. Like, the voice can get me. I stuck with the okay. dub version. I'm so sorry. And I was just like, oh, he, stop. He's all right vo- voice. It's not like dreamy or dark or like seductive. It's just kind of like. What I needed was for the, okay, so you, if you don't have the story time to really get me to under, to where she's like captivated, captivated with him, then yeah. make, there, make it be something about him. Is he a good horseman? Is he a good swordsman? Is he a mm-hmm. good dancer? Is he a composer? Mm-hmm. What does he do in 17th century uh, Cartagena that yeah. is attracting this woman? And maybe he's yeah, got, uh, he could just be a simply though. compassionate person who, even though he comes from a slave master class, he doesn't roll that he way. He doesn't roll that way. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily that have to be, too. yeah, and it doesn't have to be an instant love. It could be a friendship like, wow, I see this. Well, let me help you do this, blah, blah, blah. And then it can be a slow, gradual as part of the story of her being a witch in modern times and doing that. Yeah. Does she even in the first episode like even go to look up to see if her ancestors are still alive? That's the first thing I'm going to do. Like, okay, it's Where's like... Where's mama at? It's like... Listen, the future. She kind of just wander. Who, who's my people? Right. She's wandering around and then there's this awful ex scene Screenwriters don't do this stuff. Maybe, maybe watch, <laughs> watch Siempre Bruja as an example of what not to do because yeah. there's a lot of that You can learn. You can learn from what not to do. In there yeah. Because there's this horrible expose scene where... They flash back to before she's burned on the on the stake as a witch, and she's imprisoned, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what happens when they, she goes down and meets the guy and their little romantic encounter by the river and the fire and ah, whatever. The mom comes, the, yeah. the slave master's mom comes. She yeah. busts it up. Yeah. She's like, you bewitched my son. He could never be in love with you. And like, she gets hauled off. So then she's in jail. Mm. Oh, coincidentally, there's like a wizard in a cell next door, and he levitates her up. Yeah, and so they can see eye to eye, or they can make eye contact, whatever, through through the prison because apparently it's, it's open up there. I don't mm-hmm. know why. You know, like oh, I, can't cra- I can't crawl. Up there. I can't why, crawl up out the prison. Why, 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 can't, why can't your ass float out the prison? I mean, it's why you floating me? Why you floating? Ain't nobody hitting the roof and like. And you and you're a wizard. You can't make the bars. Like, what kind of wizardry are you doing? Why are you living up so y'all can have this communication? And so then it's this deal of like. You know, you're going to end up in the future and I need you to do something for me. And then if you do that, you will be returned to say in time to save your love because oh boy got shot. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy gets shot right before she gets burned at the stake you know, or something like <clears> that. <throat> I can't remember. He ends up dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His father kills him. Hmm. Which was out of nowhere. That, that was dumb. That was dumb. I was like, what? I was like, who is this man? He's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, bitch, it's not about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> it like made no sense. We've never seen the father before that. So right, like, right. Literally a right. man walks Again, up. Like, Again, watch this, as, this as, as what not to do. 
Yeah. Um, Netflix acquiring things and thinking it's. Oh, oh it was already can, done. You it was already. I think it was a Colombian show, and oh, okay. I guess the, I, I, the way I feel like they probably picked it up. Oh, it sounds a cool premise. Spanish show. Hey, we so got they, and it's got a black woman and black people right. come see it and blah blah. And they did yeah. do the research, and then once they realized what they had, well, they, they had to like do that trailer to fool us <laughs> and not tell us. Well, they're gonna get some data from me. <laughs> yeah. Hard stop. And thirty minutes in, and never returning to the yeah. show. Yeah. Hard yeah. stop. Yeah. They're gonna, stop. There's some data for you. Well, I mean, it's it's it's. It's one of those things where we have to learn what we don't want to see. And it's one of the things that the horror noir documentary really brought up. It's like those tropes that yes. are dead to us, but mm-hmm. it seems that non-black filmmakers still use them thinking that they work. And in this time and age, we're going to pump the brakes. And you can't sit there and call it a distraction anymore, as your person said to right. you. Like, oh, this, right. green, this green book stuff is just a distraction. distraction. That's white people talk for Negroes. We don't want to hear what you say. We fucking going <laughs> to get these that's awards. That's exactly it. This is our that's awards exactly moment, it. and you're not going to fuck it up for that's us. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. I, let's be real. Yeah. And we're going to talk the talk. So you had some questions. What yeah, so the question is. I'm going to start with the white people (laughs) (laughs) Slash non-black people What are some things Some tips and tidbits We can gift And I'm talking about Specifically the horror genre Because we're talking about The horror Mm. noir Like guacamole Documentary that uh, airs On Shutter TV February 7th Make sure y'all check it out It's really well done Really great Um, What are some tips We can give Non-black filmmakers White filmmakers And their ilk Um Tropes and things that we don't ever want to see, never, ever, ever again in a horror film. Now, the Robin Means Coleman book, Horror Noir, gives two types of, of horror, black horror. Yeah. There's blacks in horror, which are black people who are in horror films. Mm-hmm. And then there's black horror films, where it's a horror film, but the central mode and cultural milieu is blackness, is yeah. part of it, the nuance of it. Mm-hmm. So both types of films, what are some things that we, well, we better not see them do? Well, you just said something interesting. I'm glad you set it up like that, because... First of all, you said we're talking to white people. So that means we're going with the latter. We're not going with the black movie. We're going with the yeah, movie that they most play. likely going You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we have to focus on that one first before we open right, with the other right. one. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to think about what are the tropes that annoy us, first of all. You know what I mean? Well, the doc talks about that. We already know the magical Negro, right. mm-hmm. the sacrificial Negro, mm-hmm. which um, Bird Box. Yeah, yeah. When you and I feel bad because Eric's my dude, but damn. Hey, no. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen. This is all love. If we gonna talk about some stuff, we got to critique. Yeah. And if you're an actor or a performer who's in something, don't take it personal. Mm-hmm. You already got your check. You already made your little yeah, monies. You got to work right next. You got to, to work. You got. You got a credit. <laughs> you gonna move on. You gonna be all right, boo boo. Right. But the rest of us who are film critics, who are filmmakers, who are going to have to make stuff. Yeah. We can't have sacrifice. You can't. You can't. You can sacrifice yourself as a black person. Right. It has to be an earned sacrifice. I'm, it can't be. Oh my God, we're all in the grocery store, and oh, this coworker of mine who I'm not even friends with. Oh, I'm gonna save you straight yeah, and throw myself. Bitch, I'm not yeah. throwing myself no, no, out. Exactly. I'm gonna close the door. I you. I, I, I'm gonna try my ass to close the door. I'm not running. I would have kicked it or running. Or bitch, can y'all help me? Can y'all? They, <laughs> he didn't ask that. Can y'all help me? Yeah. Shoot. And if you got a cosmopolitan city and you have no black women in it, and you got a whole house full of people of all every, and there's not one black woman, you, I'm not coming to see your movie. I'm not going to support it. <laughs> I'm also tired of when they do include a black woman. She's always doing the sassy neck rolling thing. Yes. Like girl, don't <laughs> go in there. <laughs> you in danger, girl. No. Oh my lord. Stop it. That was one of the things that I, I appreciate about Rachel True's performance in, in The Craft. Mm-hmm. She wasn't doing all that right. neck rolling nonsense. Right. She was just mm-hmm. like, I'm another kid at the school. I'm just another kid at the school. Yeah. I got to do with Wearing some this little, you know, knee high skirt before Britney Spears had even 
thought about doing right, it. Right, yeah. right. So, right. I was just thinking mm-hmm. about, like, for example, and this isn't this isn't something that I don't want to see, but something that I want to see is like in Get Out, and they had the the comedian who's the um, his he played his friend mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. like the Lil Ray, yeah, Lil Ray, yeah, Lil Ray. I would Lil rather Ralph. see more people like that in a movie, like, regular folk, like, yeah, just quirky, yeah, trying to manage, yeah. you know right. I mean? trying to get by, you trying to get through. Just I got weird. my little busted car. Yeah. I'm trying to get to work, right. and then shit happens, and and he has to use his own smarts, right? You know, which yeah. he set up. He's a little weird. He thinks mm-hmm. he's like a fucking mall cop or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right. But he uses that later to win, right? You yeah. know, he, that ability he has, and to me, that was smart. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. characters I want. I don't want to see yeah. Thug Number Two no. save the day. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I love yeah. I want to see, see that quirky dude. You know mm-hmm. that that's more me. That's mm-hmm. more of who we yeah. are. And it's like the same thing. I was just thinking about what you were saying about the role in the next sister mm-hmm. who we've seen since fucking ever. Yeah, Foxy, ever. Foxy Brown. Ever. And all that shit. You know since what I mean? It's, it's it's where are we going today? Right. <clears throat> so right. when you talk about what we don't want to see is what I. That's what I don't. Well, we, I think what, I think what you're getting at is we want to see the nuances of, of we can do both. What yeah. we don't want, what do we do want to see? Right. Mm-hmm. We want to see the nuance. We talk about this all the time in here. We're not a monolithic right. culture. Right. Right. Um, even in an Us trailer, it's great to see you know the dad was exposing the music or whatever. But then I kind of cringed up when the mom was like, "Get in rhythm, get in rhythm." I was like, <laughs> "Maybe the boy is rhythmless, and we need to be okay with that and leave him alone." <laughs> and of course, our comments when we saw that trailer was that my first clue was something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, that already told me you ain't got no rhythm and you can't even on the beats and the ones and three. You just Listen, that was my first black clue. That's out there. I understand. Black who are rhythmically challenged. Tons yes. Of Tons of Listen, I, I understand. I, that. I'll say I am. If unless there's a conductor standing in front of me with a baton, <laughs> I, the, I'm having. Tr- I'll ha- I will have trouble. That's just, <laughs> and it's okay. No, and that would be yeah. cool to see those type of characters. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit. When I saw that in that trailer, I thought that was my first clue that something mm. was wrong. Because usually little and young black, even, you know, I wouldn't... I, I go, wait a minute. How many 19, 20 times have you seen that trailer anyway? You know she watched it 40 times. <laughs> but what's fun about it, and, and this is what cracked me up, and I think this is just that backlash against Jordan Peele, people just being haters. Oh. You know, we were already having like watching it and trying to figure out clues and subtext like what do we think this means and some people are like y'all just making too much out of nothing it's just blah 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 I'm like can we not have fun that was a badass fucking trailer I'm can sorry. we not enjoy it can yeah, we not enjoy the trailer it. the music alone is like it sticks it sticks in your brain mm-hmm. afterwards mm-hmm. Yeah, it just sticks and it's I don't know I, I guess what I'm getting at is like I just want to see I, you know how would Don how would a character like Don Shirley be in a horror movie Mm. We have this man, pedigreed as hell, speaks five different languages, right. Russian, you know, German, you know, but how would he, re- how would he react to the monster in the room? Mm-hmm. To, I've ne- have we seen that? No, we have never seen that. Mm. Not that I know you would know, but I've never seen that. I mean, the no. close, I mean, the, you have, uh, was we, and we talked about in the doc, in the documentary, we talked about quite a bit, because I found a really fresh, was, was it, is it Evil Dead? What's the one with the black dude with the zombies? The Dawn of the Dead? Dawn oh, the, the, the very first one? Yeah. Night yeah. of the Living Dead? Night of the Living Dead. 1968? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Still my I watched movie. that movie and I'm like, oh, the black dude's in the house. And he's, he's just, and we don't make an issue of him being mm-hmm. black. He's just there. He's like right. every man who's right. there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, we shouldn't be, you know, mm-hmm. down in the basement. I think he remember they were arguing about whether we'd be in the basement, we'd be right. upstairs, whatever. He had a point of view. He had agency, and the, and he wasn't just cowtowing mm. down to the white people. Like, mm-hmm. well, what do you guys think? And he, and he beat 
the white dude up. Oh, yeah. 1968. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they were bounding for Lee and he and pimp slapped me, hit him, pimp and we were just like, shit out of that dude. I was like, <laughs> what? Let me rewind that back again. What? <laughs> I go, what? That should be a meme. Okay. okay. Like, <laughs> what? 1968? He was the best actor for the part. It oh was not cat. It was he not be supposed a to be. It's, it's, it's right. not supposed to be a, a black actor. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was just like, just bring us actors. He came in. He nailed the audition. But that died. brings me to an important point, which is this. A lot of times when you when when people who are not black who are making these horror films and they cast black people and they say things like we're the best actor, which is great because we got some fantastic black actors. One of the things I think they need to really be careful of is not what their intent was, but what the impact is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Night of the Living Dead, you know, it was until years later that George Miller was like, yeah, you know, he was like the best actor, which he was. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with blackness and America, you really have to be very careful to see what some of the nuances are. And a lot of times people miss nuance because they totally miss the fact that 1968, the murder of Dr. King, a whole bunch of stuff was going on and how to have him die at the end, even though it could have been a white guy. In but that remember, they shot it a year before. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You know? But I'm just saying it's like the impact of it. So, right. for example, I'll just use Bird Box as an example. No. You... You see Blappy talking about how we're always the first one to be killed in movies. You Mm -hmm. see all kinds of stuff. Don't let us do dumb stuff. And if you have black characters, and you know that black people love horror, and you got two, don't do stupid stuff that black people would not normally do. Right, yeah. Okay, you can't have Because what he did, we would not have done. We would not have done. You know, and and (laughs) you got to think in terms of the whole, if you don't know horror history, and this is why it's so important you watch this documentary and that you get the book and read it, you need to understand how black people's place in horror films have always been problematic. Study that so that you don't make those same mistakes. Because black people, we come to see a horror movie, we'll do it two or three times, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about it. And if it's bad, we start doing memes like the Bird Box Challenge. When they had the people walking around, they had black people walking around with binders and stuff and doing and clowning it and here's the thing even though black people were clowning the movie and they were watching it some we enjoyed and some were like man we wouldn't do that so many downloads we we made people go watch it it became it became a hit yeah because we clowned it and you kept talking about it on twitter and you owe us some free subscriptions for talking about it and (laughs) no they just raised your rates they They just raised our rates but it's true it was just it was just frustrating and somebody put a meme that cracked me up and it says he says black women trying to be in birth and it was a photo of some celeb- black celebrity guy with a white woman and then has somebody black woman in the background who was phone bomb- photo bombing the photo <laughs> and they said that was like us trying to be in Bird Box and it was like <laughs> it's so true it- it'd be different if you were in some like little small suburban area where there really isn't a lo- large population of black people I-, I can roll with that I watch a lot of horror movies there's some areas that are just scary in New England and places where I know black people really ain't gonna be there yeah. so if you have a movie set in that I'm not gonna be going like oh my god you need to have black yeah, people don't, there don't have the token don't, black and don't have the token have just to have the token black who's not connected. And we I, talk about I, this all the time. The token black person who's, who's not, not connected to, to their the own community. Piece. Right, yes. right. And that right. they're only, please don't do, and we talk about this and that they talk about in the book and we call him um, Scatman Crothers. We call him the patron saint of black death. <laughs> oh, So shining. shout out to Mark Harris for The Shining where it's like, after that, every black character was kind of like that. And it kills me. And, and even though we read it in the book and it cracks me up because you got to think about it. Scatman Crothers, don't do this to any of your black characters. Mm-hmm. Had a comfortable house. He had already he'd been living for a long, living a good life. Meets this white boy. Meets, meets this white boy for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Feels the need to get on a plane. Fly out to rent in a blizzard. A scooter. 
<laughs> go through a blizzard and he's got the shining skill mm-hmm. and they say it in the documentary and you nigga you got the shining skill <laughs> and you can see what happens in the future and you didn't see that axe right when uh, you step didn't even get the brother a chance to get in the door and shake the snow off his boots when he right got right. in the house stepped in and you know got it chopped up right. and it was, it was shocking. shocking and he became known for a lot of black people as like the patron saint of black death because that's the sacrificial negro if you yeah. want to see what a sacrificial negro mm-hmm. is watch the shining watch the shining and see all the stuff he went through mm-hmm. don't even know this family it'd be different if he raised his boy or know their family right. for years right. that kind of thing I just met you 10 minutes on a tour mm-hmm. y'all good luck blah 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 and you got supernatural powers to see the future mm-hmm. I will never forgive Stanley Kubrick for that because <laughs> in the book he didn't die. <clears throat> no. And oh, that was discussed in the documentary right. as well. The and the book to and have you change that on purpose to have him means that you, you understand there's a thing that white people need to see, mm-hmm. which is black people being self-serving and at the, the, the sacrificing themselves to yeah. ensure that whiteness survives mm-hmm. at the expense of... Now, you know he had a family back there. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if, this, if this was a black person's version of it, there would have been his wife sitting there going, what you talking about? You're going to get on the plane and fly out there. Mm-hmm. We got to go down here. We're going to see the play down here with the nana and in the church mm-hmm. and we got to come down there because someone's so sick they shut in we got stuff to do what you mean you're going to run up there to the Overlook Hotel <laughs> where the hell is that and where that Colorado on. come on <laughs> you know who, who does that it's a storm out there we talking about you can't do that you can't you, you can't do that anymore <laughs> black characters you know you can't drive in the way then figure it out but what do we do want to see you said we want to see some regular black folks you know I want to see some things that's why I use the word quirky. And I mean, just imagine if 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 Lil Rail's character was somebody different, it would not have had the impact. It, did. Mm-hmm. it would not have given him a TV show when it was over. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It needed somebody that everybody could relate to, laugh at, enjoy, feel like you like, feel well, like you know him. It needed th- that. There's an every there's there's this thing called the every man, right? Mm-hmm. And I find that this term gets often applied to um, white actors, yeah. but it doesn't get applied to black actors. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times when blacks do appear in the cinema, it's we have to be so flawless and noble and mm-hmm. save the day, and you know, and we're just not as layered and complicated and nuanced as we should be. We, right. we like really human mm-hmm. beings. We're just sort of like, well, they we can't show them as criminals, so let's make them like these perfect, you know, right. angels. Right. You know, mm-hmm. per, let's make them Obama esque. Right. Will. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I can make that sort of analogy. And what I want to see is the gray. Right. That's I'm looking. I'm looking at gray. People I interact on a daily basis who are people of color. Mm-hmm. Right. They're in this gray space. Yeah. Uh, I I don't watch a lot of horror. I'm actually not a because I get scared, scared very easily. <laughs> scary cat. So you're not a long brother. I almost walked out of Scream at, <laughs> no. the, at the Dollar Theater. Listen, scream. The Dollar Theater. I had to turn to my friend Kathy Moore. The first. Eight minutes of that movie where he's called the, the phone calls mm-hmm. and the popcorn's burning. He's in the back now. He's out the front where he's all over. The, the, now I just saw the white ma- mask go across the screen. I turned to my friend Kathy Moore and I said, I said, Kathy, <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, it's too scary. I gotta leave. <laughs> she looked at me like, Are you are you the most punk bitch ever? Damn. So what were you saying just yeah. No, I, I, that's how I am. I'm still scared to go into a bathroom stall to this day. Like when I was a kid, my mom used to make my brother go with me every time I went to the bathroom because I always thought he was in the stall, one of the stalls. The right. Candyman? Yeah. No, no. Um, Scream when Sydney was in the stall. See? Oh, Scream right, right, right. is no. See, 
This is why, and you and I have had like five or ten conversations about this on the air. This is why parents need to teach their kids to watch I'm horror movies. I'm telling you. This is exactly why. So it I teach, can't go to the bathroom? You, no, no. <laughs> no, it let's teaches give, you. Let's give them the education. No. Give me the education. Horror will save your life. Horror lets you, tr- it teaches you to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. It teaches you to discern who are really good people and really bad people, even when the so-called good people who are bad, who smile on your face, and you should be able to read between yeah. the lines and discern who Human really behavior. is for you. Human mm. behavior. It teaches you to look around and not be so Pollyanna-ish. Right. Mm. And it teaches you also to just be aware that you need to be able to have some skills that I help get you out of a situation right. on your own and right. not expect someone to save you. They don't have to on your feet. I'm bad at all you. of that. I was using this. I, I don't remember that much of my childhood, but I have a couple memories. One of them is, you remember the big vans we used to have in the 70s? <clears throat> so oh, we yeah. had one of them big vans with the big windows oh, and everybody yeah. would be sitting out looking. We had one of those big vans, right? They were dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And... And I was sitting in my mom's lap. We were at the move drive-in theater. We drive. There were a thing called drive-in back in the day. They were um, awesome. <laughs> I don't want to drive-in. They still have a few sporadically <laughs> around no, no. here. We were at the drive-in theater. One. I must have been four. I think we were watching. I want to say we were watching, probably, not a Living Dead. It was one of those mm-hmm. type of things. Mm-hmm. And it was not a Living Dead, or it was, or it was like one of those really, really scary black exploitation movies. <clears throat> and we were sitting there watching the movie, and my mom turned over and saw one of her friends walk by, right? So they start mm-hmm, yipping and mm-hmm, yabbing, and mm-hmm. she realizes I'm sitting in my mom's seat, in my mom's lap. She's like, you got your son sitting here? I still remember the conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my mom said, and she looked at my husband, she says, my kids, and she pointed in the back, and all of us, were, we were all sitting there watching. She's like, all my kids watch horror. Yeah. I, it teaches them not to be scared about it, yeah. and not to be stupid, yeah. right? Don't be stupid. I remember, it, you know what I mean. Yeah, going back to the driving, I I remember seeing Jaws at the driving. Jaws at the driving, yeah. all that. And, I was like, and so was it, the shark. It was bad enough, but there were also these shock things where bodies were popping out when right. he dig. He goes underneath the dig, and then the other thing that transformed horror for me as a kid was the VHS because mm-hmm. we were like the first family on the block that had a VCR, <clears throat> right. and then my sister was a huge horror nut mm-hmm. so yeah. we watched all that stuff with the Friday 13th like all that mm-hmm. right. but also the stuff like happy birthday to me oh god yeah my bloody valentine <laughs> yes. I mean she was watching stuff and it was all, all just white it was all just white girls running yeah. around and they couldn't make sense of it all like really <laughs> all it, the final girl movies right? exactly and they were all just like <laughs> Becky and Sue and like what's going on and it's right. like He's about to shove a spike through your <laughs> head, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you about to die? Yeah. yeah. But, but just to piggyback off of what Lisa is saying, mm-hmm. is I remember we remember we taught we taught a class at OBS a couple of years ago, years ago, and we were talking about horror, and I remember talking about how <clears throat> you have to, what, what we don't have anymore now, because nobody watches DVDs anymore, we used to have DVDs and VHS, right? Mm-hmm. So you rent something at Blockbuster mm-hmm. or Redbox or whatever, mm-hmm. and you could watch the behind the scenes. Right. Yep. So yeah. I would tell them, I would like, watch the movie and then watch the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And then you see the guy sitting there in the makeup chair getting his zombie makeup on, and it numbs you yeah. to all that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, for idea. example, and I said, also... Piggybacking off what Lisa said, it teaches you about behavior. It teaches you about if I'm ever like walking in a city block, 
mm-hmm. and it's dark mm-hmm. and it's creepy and I feel like somebody's walking behind somebody me. Somebody probably is. It teaches you all those instincts. So now you're looking around going, okay, I see a brick over there. I see that. I see, you know what I mean? I see, I see the top situational of the trash can. It's, it's, it's called it, situational, it, it's situational awareness. awareness. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. what it teaches you. And yeah. I had to do that on Friday when I left the Horror Noir because when Linnell and Jeff and I were walking out, it was like 12 midnight. It was mm-hmm. raining. raining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were walking and it was go- it was Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard, but it was like wet. That crazy shit. So you hear the little scuttling <laughs> everywhere. People are running around. It's like shiny lights. Because the rain is it's like wet. the rain is like acid for people here. Yes, in LA. and it's, it's like, like oh. <laughs> and so literally we dropped you know uh, uh, I, I out to Metro. Train. She I took the Metro, train. so she went down. And then I was going, I was heading to Hollywood and Highland to go get my car because I had parked inside the parking structure. Mm-hmm. And so Jeff had called an Uber and he's like, okay, there we were good. And so Jeff had left. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I walked and as soon as everybody, I swear, as soon as the two of you left, mm-hmm. you know, all those other people that were there when we were, everybody disappeared. <laughs> so literally, I'm a Hollywood and orange. It's raining. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting here with my little journal, my little shop. And the shop. lights for everything are still going. The Rose lights are going. Hell, Things are shiny, ten. but there are no people. Yeah, right. And then I can see the apocalyptic. And I, can see, I can see the fog oh, kind of coming down. So I was in a heart. But here's the thing. Because I grew up with horror, mm-hmm. and I know shit can go bad real mm-hmm. quick. When I walked around the corner of Orange to go get my car, the garage was locked. Mm. What? And I was like... At, at, 1 a.m. But I watched. It wasn't even 1 a.m. There were homeless people in the. There were homeless people in the thing. So for a minute there, I was really on the set of that (laughs) that 1980s movie, (laughs) which is the one where what was it called? It's the cannibalistic human uh, chud. Chud, the cannibalistic humanoid underground, underground. dwellers. Right. <laughs> so the people were, they looked like the Chud people because mm-hmm. they were all huddled. And then, you know, and it's sad though because like the, the rain and they're shivering. And but every now and then you see like this little, like strong little rags of thing and they would move a little bit because there's somebody there. Yeah. But your girl was not tripping because number one, even though I have my shawl around me, mm-hmm. I know situational things that happen. I could quickly take that off, wrap around somebody's neck and strangle them. Yes. I had my car keys jabbed in my hand yep. and yep. I had my foot ready to do the whole boom okay. and boom <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, yeah. horror movie. So when I got there, everything's locked and there's nobody and all there's a sign and there's really no phone number to call and I'm like, well shit, so is my car locked in here? Well, the Rosevod Hotel is a block over. Somebody I know from Shutter TV is probably over there can just let me hang out or I can just hang, no big deal, I'll figure it out. So then I saw, I heard footsteps. So mind you, this is like horror movie. Like I was in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. In the distance, I hear the echo of footsteps. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hopefully that's security. I looked, I see a shadowy figure. No, it's not security, it's some random person. So boop, 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 boop. I'm like, all right, keep your eye out. This might be somebody who wants to try to do an old run over on you, mm-hmm. but they don't know. I'm a master of horror. <laughs> I will yeah. fuck you up. <laughs> I will become Candyman, okay? I might hook you. So luckily, I just said, okay, well, let me just walk through here. And luckily for me, what had happened was in Hollow and Highland, they just shut down the one half because oh. they want to control people coming in and out. Uh-huh. So the other side is open. So when I walked in there, I walked through and it was like, no people, no people. And literally, I start to panic after that, like a slow panic. Not a scary, like, oh my God, white girl panic. Yeah. It was more like a sister girl, like, girl, where, where, where is everybody? <laughs> Yeah. This is okay. This is this is changing up. Well, right. my cell phone is powered up. Right. I can get a hotel. I can. It's not a big deal. Mm. And luckily, I saw a sister. It was like Lil Rail. <laughs> 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 but the black woman. I said, "Hey, sister, uh, 
can I get my car? Like, what's the situation? She's oh, girl, you know. And literally, she's like, L'Oreal, comfortable? Mm. Like, oh, girl, you know what? They, they locked that side because, you know, they got the people to go in the club over here. So we got to control who's coming in and out. Mm. So you have to go in the other way and you're good. You just come out on the other side on Highland instead mm. of Orange. I'm like, okay, good. Mm. And so literally, I'm walking and I see people. And it was like the end of the horror movie when oh, you've yeah. been through All it. Of a sudden, yeah. yeah. It returns to normalcy. Yeah. And then yeah. there were more people who were coming from the club. It's also adrenaline. Drunk. Your adrenaline kicked in. And it, once, kicked in, yeah. it kicked in once I went in and I realized, oh, shit, there really is nobody. I'm hearing things like, I'm going to really have to fuck somebody up. I'm going to be on the one o'clock news Jesus. coming from Horror Noir. Lisa Bolacaja, who had just finished a, a thing, kill somebody on the side. Uh, Wait, and they had the camera pin, and I'm the one that got my teeth in the person's neck, ripping out their throat. What? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> With her dreads. You got dreads dreads everywhere. <laughs> what was she doing? No, he came after me, and I had to mess him up. But I'd be the one going to jail at the end of the movie like, no, but they came for me and I was surviving myself. I would have been the ending of that Get Out would have been as opposed to yeah, what they yeah. gave oh, it. Oh, that was talked about though. Yes. There was different versions was different of the versions. ending. Yeah. He was going to go to jail. He was going to jail. Mm. And that would have been crushing for us. Yeah. Totally. I don't think it would have done as well as a movie. Now, how does it feel when you saw the documentary? Because one of the critiques that you okay. had of, of Get Out, I think it was you or Jeff, one of you, or maybe both of you, who just mm. said that because there were mm. no good white people, or maybe that was Jeff who said that. I didn't, I didn't that say the that. one thing that they that, that, that dislike, and I know there's some other black people who said it to me, so I maybe just be glomming it on mm-hmm. to people who were just like, oh, well, and this is black people, which is. Because we're so used to seeing it. We're so used to seeing it. Like, what? We're always. It was kind of like some people are like, there are no good white people in Get Out. And Jordan Peele says it. He says, there are no good white people. Intentionally. It was intentional. Intentional. You know, how did you feel when you heard that? Like, I was sitting here, I was like, wow. It was really really good. What I found great about the documentary was to get inside Jordan Peele's head for a second. Right. Because I came out of Get Out and I was kind of like, what? Yeah, like I needed to see it again. Yeah, I just had some questions. Mm -hmm. And there was there was stuff where I was like, well, how does Lil Rel figure out where he is? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just stuff like I just there was a couple little gaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was I thought it was fascinating. And I'm but I'm glad the doc didn't spin all they could spend our ninety minutes on just talking to no, Jordan right. Peel. But they gave him the right amount of time to talk about get out, the two different endings, get inside his head a little bit. I mean, I never picked up on the cotton thing that he was picking from the chair. Yep. Or the buck. The buck, the yeah. buck that he's those are things those that jumped things, out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I right over my head. Because mm-hmm. again, my black experience is a little different. A little different. Like, yeah. I'm a suburban girl from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm, and also for me, the only reason I caught up for it because you know, going to college—that's the stuff I studied. I, my 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 major was social science. My minor was Native American studies and Black history. So those type of imagery, those type of things, jump out at me automatically in film. So when I saw the cotton, when I saw the buck. I was seeing some nuanced layering things, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, that's the type of stuff that's jumping out at me. And I I, I admit it this freely. And I think I told you the first time I saw Get Out, when I saw with my mom, when they killed the white girl at the end, Mm -hmm. I jumped up and screamed and applauded. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't because I was trying to be mean. And when it happened, it was like an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. Because when I sat back down, I was like, oh, damn, did I really just to see the death of a woman and just seeing that? And I thought, what is that about? And I'm like... No, because we always be the ones who die. Yeah, and in real life, he would have been dead. And for I, once, it was like that OJ moment. Yeah, yeah, for most too. black people, it was, was like, yeah, it was all like, these terrible things have always happened to, to us. And even though this is probably not a great idea for him to kill somebody, but it was like, we've always yeah. gotten it. Well, then, I, but it also tells you that it was earned in the script. Exactly. She does some serious fuckery. Yes. And she kept trying to use her 
her, her sexiness or whatever it her is. Her femininity. Yeah. To and get her him. whiteness. And she also. brought it that has in been at the end. Historically she, to destroy She tried to play him people. again and he was smart yes. enough not to see nah. it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean? think one of the really great nuanced things about Get Out that I think made a lot of white people uncomfortable mm-hmm. is the racism of liberal white people. Oh God. A lot of people always want to say it's conservative right. white people who are the most evil. And, and less, sometimes, in my experience, sometimes the conservative white people, mm-hmm. sometimes they're less racist than right. the liberal ones. Because yeah. the liberal ones have the audacity to think that they know it all. Right. And they don't, they don't check their own unconscious, unbiased racism. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just like in the movie, oh, you know, I voted, if I could vote for Obama, I can vote for him three times. And they're right. smiling, chuck, chuck, chuck. And, you know, and they're snowballing you to make you see something. And they razzle-dazzle you and you miss out on the stuff. Right. So when the white girl at the end... You know, I, my first clue was like when the bitch had pictures, right? <laughs> of all and brother didn't leave. Then, and brother didn't leave. Then I didn't understand. And didn't you're looking understand. at a picture <laughs> that's the maid. Like that's the heifer, that's the maid, and you didn't leave. You should have been out, not mess. Not yeah. let me get the keys. Don't mess with her about at the that, keys. At that Go. moment, at that moment, there <laughs> were only two options for me. That yeah. brother got to die mm-hmm. just on the just on that mm-hmm. on that principle alone. That you saw this and you didn't move, mm-hmm. you know, or he's gonna have to kill everybody in the house <laughs> for his his late wake up call. Yeah. And so it was like it, it's it's just certain things that I'm just really curious would have been different if it hadn't been Jordan Peele. But let me just say that. something about Get Out because I saw it. In the Midwest, mm-hmm. with a predominantly white audience, mm. they—I mean—and this was several weeks after it had been out. It had been out for like a month, mm. and I went on a Tuesday night. Not to mind you, Tuesday night at the multiplex in Southern Illinois mm-hmm. is five dollar night, mm-hmm. so they always get a good crowd. But right. I wasn't expecting to get out to be still pulling a sold out crowd for after it's been out for six weeks, and mm-hmm. it was packed mm-hmm. with white millennials who were just like. I, I don't know what the experience was. They, maybe they were seeing it for the first time. Maybe they seen it for the second time. I don't know. But they were definitely interested in seeing this movie for whatever reason. I can't, I can't explain it. But they were there. So. And it just it. it started a lot of conversations. And we got to give... The, co- I, I guess my, uh, what I didn't harp on is that that's conservative country. Mm-hmm. Very conservative country. Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. don't... They're not in the, um, you know... Well, you know their agenda. We, we, we mm-hmm. know their agenda. Mm-hmm. It's been very clear. But I wouldn't surprise me if, if some of those kids were... Is the Bible Belt there? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Completely. Mm-hmm. Super Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, super, you know, an, like anti-abortion. Right. Um, not all of them, but mm-hmm. it's that type of mentality. Well, it's majority. very conservative. Fox mm-hmm. News watching, oh. loving, uh, Breitbart, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but, but their kids... Are being exposed to. I think what's good about Get Out is mm-hmm. the kids are being exposed to something else, right. something right. different, right. and I think they're eager to see something different other mm-hmm. than what's in their own households. Absolutely. So they go out to the movies right. and watch something made by a black man. They're like, oh, we don't know what this is, but it's like some sort of. They love horror, by the way. Mm-hmm. Faith, horror and faith-based films are going to make you some and money. Hip-hop. Yeah, make you make <laughs> you some money. I'm talking about in the in the right, in right. the in the middle of the country, the flyover states. Mm-hmm. Of right, this is going to make you some money. That's going to make you some money. I see some trailers when I'm there going to the cinema for these faith based movies. And I'm like, and they get some actors from like um, like This Is Us. There's uh, the Chrissy. Is it Chrissy Metz? Mm-hmm. Is her name? Mm-hmm. She's in a faith faith right. faith based. movie. I just saw the trailer for that movie too. Yeah, where her and son I'm like, is in a coma. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, so they're doing it and they're making money. They're mm-hmm. making their money. Yeah. yeah, you know they don't need Hollywood. They don't need they Hollywood. Need Hollywood. They can do it and self publish. Right. Well, the great thing about Get Out is it's like the in a long time it's the first black person winning an Oscar for writing an original screenplay. Right. Not only that for a black person, but a horror screenplay. An original. 
uh, original mm-hmm. horror screenplay winning that. So I was thrilled just from both counts. Yeah. For, like, but for horror, because for me, horror doesn't get the respect it deserves. It's, it's hard to elevate it because we, mm-hmm. you and I, we've seen so many different types of I'm still of pissy that Tony Collette for Hereditary is not getting any nods at no. all. And by the way, Hereditary is on Amazon Prime right now. If you haven't no. got a chance to see it, yeah, please watch right. it. And her performance in that, because it's not just horror, mm-hmm. it's drama. Yeah. It's she's, mm. she's doing a lot in that movie. And I just feel like because they think of it as a, just a redhead stepchild in the basement, Kind of like they thought of comic book movies. Yes. You know, and so we... Yeah, Until Black gets, Panther Black blew Panther it gets up. One, it gets a Best Picture nom. Right, and I mentioned that yeah. in the thing at the, uh, <clears throat> the the screening of the, you know, horror doc, horror noir documentary in the panel was basically, there's no excuse now for you to say that these films that we make are not going to make you money and no. not going to be critically sure. acclaimed. Moonlight showed you that a black indie mm-hmm. art house film mm-hmm. can win you an Oscar and make your money back. Sure. Black Panther, superheroes. Yeah. Get out horror movie yeah. so I think the door is open yeah. for us mm-hmm. and it's just I'm that not, we need to just have more writers tell some different you, stories I don't know if you guys saw my article that they just I did tell you that and and because I talk about this this thing about like where we are now and mm-hmm. like how things have changed and I've talked about how movies like Moonlight and Black Panther have opened the doors for all of us mm-hmm. now now we all are and seeing even, oh, sorry to bother you mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Sure, if you're sure, doing sure. that sort art of house, yeah. art, that yeah. sort of space yeah, Black Klansman all that right. but we're starting to see our friends in the credits now. Right. Mm. We're starting to see them. Mm-hmm. And now, um, I was talking to uh, some people the other day, black women are starting to be the rise on the, on the showrunners thing. Like, they're mm-hmm. starting to, mm-hmm. it's starting to become a, a quite a few of them now, even more than men. You know what I mean? So which, which is a good thing. We're, we're just heading in a new direction, which I think is amazing. And one of the things that people need to realize about black women, and we've done this historically, is that when we get in, we bring people with us, not necessarily just black people, we'll bring every other person with us. That has supportive us. We'll bring in white women. We'll bring in anybody well, just, who's just yeah. like for what's us. going on. At Queen Sugar. Is yeah. Like all those directors of, of the episodes are all female, but they're not all black female. Right. So bringing right. in a, a, right. a, a cornucopia. Right. right. Giving them skills, mentorship, yeah. and all that. And we because they can get it, if they can get it done, they can get it done. Right. You trying to you trying to keep a, the train of the TV show running? That's right. the whole point. That right. You got to move. Right. Constantly. Can't mm. get behind. Because I was sitting there looking at the directors guild, and I'm just trying to think. Hmm. Not a lot of women. Nope. Oh, stuff. It's bad. But I heard. That Sundance, a lot of the, the critically acclaimed things that are coming out of Sundance, mm-hmm. darlings, are women. Yep. We're making things. Did, so. you, did the, you have another question? No, I was just going to wrap it up in a little bit, but the, go ahead. I'm ready. Well, I was just going to say the thing about horror is I feel like we do have horror screenplay competitions, but where are the horror fellowships? Yeah. Where's, where's the thing oh, where you can get a fellowship? Yeah. It's specifically trying to do horror. Right. And be, like, I think Jordan Peele's company has one. Oh, mm-hmm. do they? Monkey Paw. I, Productions. I, they have something. I, I, They're actually I looking, for, script. yeah, They're looking submit, for scripts. They're looking for scripts. You can yes. submit scripts. Right. I'm talking yeah, about that. how can you <clears> say <throat> if you want to work in this genre as a writer, director, or possibly some combination of the two, how can you like elevate your craft in terms of being around, like being at Blumhouse, which mm-hmm. cranks out a lot of horror. Movies. I think we need to have like a George Romero Fellowship or something. Wes Craven, exactly. George Romero exactly. Fellowship, right? where Stay we have some horror. I, maybe we need to talk and put it together ourselves. Mm-hmm. And basically, we need to have something that's a fellowship that's just specifically for horror, but not just you know a one type of horror. Where mm-hmm. you know it'd be slasher, it would be found, it'd be it'd all be the different types, horror. cultural horror, yeah. all of that stuff. Something that helps to because you know Sundance has all those different fellowships and things for different mm-hmm. types of stories. We really need one for horror because I think you know in my heart I 
horror has always been my first love. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we never get the respect that we deserve. And I feel like it's because that's people... That's how you help elevate it to. And I think right. that's because people say it's just B-movie trash. And yeah, there's a lot of horror trash out there, but there's just things that are just amazing and wonderful. And I think we just got to just create it ourselves. Agreed. Well, Agreed. I mean, because people are able to do it on a smaller budget. So if you do have a, like the iPhone... You're going to get your money back, trust uh, me. So to speak. Yeah. And you can do a horror film with the iPhone and just make sure the sound is good. But you just sound need some mentorship. You yes. just need some people to say, all right, you know, here's how you set it up. Here's mm-hmm. how you can just dis- actually how do you distribute it? How right. Do people right. Can right. It? Well, you know, John Carpenter and all those dudes are still around. So maybe we need to start talking to them and say we would like to create a horror fellowship. Stephen King. And Stephen King and create something for filmmakers that not just film, but TV also right. to help mentor and maybe have something, maybe 15, you know, uh, fellows mm-hmm. they come somewhere and we have those ma- shadow, and we shadow them and we start doing the horror stuff to, yeah. to bring it and make sure that it's not just men there's women there's people of color there's non-binary everybody who wants to do horror yeah, I think, do that I think it's a good so idea. that's our new 2019 goal for that so two it. things yeah Please remember on February 17th, if you have Shutter Streaming, to check out the documentary. Huh? Or is it February February 7th? Sorry, February 7th on Shutter TV, Horror Noir. (laughs) Please check it out. And here's the thing for those of you who don't have it, it's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. uh, Right now, what's the date today? The third. Okay. So here's the thing. Right now, as we speak, Shutter TV is offering a week free. So you can just sign up real quick, watch the documentary. Is it not not in your regular cable? Shutter TV? It's streaming. It's streaming. You're thinking of Chiller. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Chiller's TV. I don't even know Chiller's TV. Yeah. still around. So Shutter TV is streaming, and they are offering right now, like I said, the free one week, you know, you can trial bases and stuff like that. They have a lot of great stuff on there. So, you know, try it out, see it. It's not that expensive, but right now you can get it free. So if you want to go see Horror Noir, check it out. Also, check out the book by uh, Robin Means Coleman with the documentary is based on, which is Horror Noir. <clears throat> I think it's called Horror Noir, and I think the subtitle is like A History of Blacks and Horror or something like that. Mm-hmm. And check it out. And thank you to all the people who came out to Fantastic the Egyptian. Turnout. Tell us where you're at when you're uh, I am <clears throat> at, I am Lisa Bolivaja. I am at What Fresh Hell Is This on Twitter. You can <laughs> find me a lot of times tweeting under the Saturday Night Sci-Fi hashtag. And whenever Ashley Blackwell, hey, Ashley, Graveyard Sisters, um, Graveyard Shift Sisters, um, Friday Night Horror. Mm-hmm. That's what's that. Oh, and before we forget, mm-hmm. hey, um, lots of love and blessing and a lot of healing towards... Um, Jesse Smollett, who got attacked yes. recently. Yeah. So, um, brother, we got your back. We know you're a talented the nicest person. guy in Hollywood. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the sweetest, nicest people. You know. And for, to hear that, that was really disheartening. And I hope mm-hmm. they get those people that did that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not acceptable. And, hey, much healing and love to you and your family. And I just want to yeah. say it's funny because my husband and I, we've been together for 17 and a half years. We hardly ever, like, hold hands anywhere. Mm-hmm. When we go to the movies or we go to like the, the theater, we have our Pantages Theater, we'll hold hands like walking through the aisle mm-hmm. or whatever. As soon as we get outside, I'm like nervous. Mm. Yeah. And mainly it's because I'm the type of dude and you know, just where, we, where we're from. People be looking at me saying shit. I'm like, you got a fucking problem? Yeah. I'm that dude. Right, yeah. right. So I always be like, I'd rather just not even do this. But I drive down the street and I see the young millennial kids. They're doing it. They're doing it. And I just like, I just love these kids. Like, they're just so Mm -hmm. bold, but I worry for them. For them. You know what I mean? You can do that in LA. Right. Yeah. You can't do that in every city in the country. Right. Um, I'm I'm not shocked that this happened in Chicago. No, not at all. Um, Because Chicago, people forget, even though it's an eclectic, um, diverse city, it it is surrounded by... 
um, small town white America right. mm-hmm. all around. It's still very and they, racist. And they claim mm-hmm. Chicago as their city. It right. belongs to them. Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. built it or right. whatever. Right. So all you others need to get out. Right. So, yeah. um, so when people were like, oh my, how could this happen in Chicago? I was like, hmm, it could happen anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. anytime. Right. Anywhere. We had we had some Proud Boys over in Atwater Village here mm-hmm. in LA. So yep, it, it's I remember happening that. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 31st Street, New York. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry, yeah. what happens in New York, San Francisco? Yeah, 31st Street. Transgender people feels empowered. You know, we had the bullshit happen with at the cap uh, at the um, Washington Monument with right. the with the Native American man getting mm-hmm. smirked at by the white kid mm-hmm. from Covington Catholic. I mean, this is a pervasive mentality. Our country's sick right now. Right. It's yeah. sick mentally. It's also sick physically. We got freaking polar vortex happening. Yeah. We are flooding here in LA. Mm-hmm. It's it's like we're in a time right now. I feel like the, the whole country is just there is no global warming, though. You know that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, as, as, and as our president said, we actually need it because Chicago is cold. She the whole country that is is under, under is unwell. Unwell. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at, at <laughs> <laughs> Transition Man. <laughs> uh, on Twitter at Linnell Y, L Y N E L L E W H I T E. That is that. Where you at, Jasani yes. Drew? I am on Twitter as Jasani Drew, J E S A N I D R E W, but I'm on also Instagram as Visionary Alignment. Mm. Alignment. Mm-hmm. Said that weird. All right. All right. Instagram. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrentroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Go on our new Patreon page. Um, that's doing all right, too. We're, we're getting better. It's getting good. Um, we appreciate all you guys. Anwar, is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anwar. Big, sh- big shout out to Anwar. Gracias por su ayuda. Yeah, Simon. He um, sent us See. a big, you know, check the other day. I was like, oh, that was nice. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Thank nice. you so much. Uh, thank you very much. Um, let me think. Um, big shout out to everybody on Deadly Class. Show's doing good. We'll talk about it next. And then, um, what else? God, so much shit going on. <laughs> so much shit going on. I can't decide what I want to talk about. Um, anyway, that's it. I'll leave it right there. Uh, follow us on Facebook. And uh, we'll see Chris in a few weeks. Cool. Shout out to Chris. So y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? 2019. 2019. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Ciao. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.